Hey, hey, this is Takara, and you are listening to A Letter to My Sister podcast. You are in the right place if you are raised to be a strong, independent woman who didn't have to depend on anybody for anything, but then you realize there were some lessons that you didn't quite get as you were going along the way. We often go through life the best way that we know how, and we don't even realize that there's a better way. So in here, there will be some raw and real conversations surrounding life lessons about the things that we wish that we had known, maybe about self, love, money, and even our careers. So if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and I would love for you to leave a rating and review as well. So now that we've got all that out the way, let's chat, sis. Hey, hey, welcome to episode number six of A Letter to My Sister podcast. I hope that you all have had a fantastic week. I hope that you had a fantastic Mother's Day last week. Something else that we are also recognizing this month is that it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I definitely wanted to discuss this topic because I feel that it's extremely important for us to talk about. And it's definitely one of those things that I wish was talked about a little bit more in all communities, but especially in communities of color. I don't remember talking about counseling or psychologists or psychiatrists. I don't really remember that being a discussion in any of the circles that I was in. So either in a family with friends or anything like that. And honestly, I really don't feel like mental health was really discussed deeply until I really started working. And then of course it was discussed, you know, like free for, um, for premarital counselings and, and things of that nature. And Unfortunately, I came to correlate counseling with meaning that something was wrong or something was bad or that something needed to be fixed. But I now see that counseling is just really another tool to help you process whatever thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you're going through. And even when people are getting married, I often encourage them to get counseling before something goes wrong because counseling can help you communicate better with one another. Counseling will help you be able to basically talk out whatever it is that you need to talk out. And that's the part that I love about counseling because yes, you can go to a friend. Yes, you can talk to them about whatever problems or concerns or issues that you may have. But when you go to a friend, they usually come with a suggestion for you as well. Well, I think that you should do this. Well, if I were you, I would do this. But when you're with a counselor, they help you walk through your own process so that you can determine what's best for you. They're not giving you any advice. They're just letting you kind of talk it out for yourself. And I find even sometimes for me, the best way for me to do something is just to be able to talk it out and actually hear myself say it or maybe replay it back or have someone say, well, what I heard you say is this, that I interpret that correctly. 
And then from there, at least I know whether my message is coming across clearly or whether something that I said needs to be fine-tuned. And that's the part that I love the most about counseling. And for me, unfortunately, I have only, not anymore, I've gotten a lot better, but counseling only came to my mind when something was negative. And that's the only time that I thought to use a counselor. But like I said, you can use a counselor for any kind of situation. And I now consider counseling to be kind of like a mental health tune-up. In other words, instead of me going every time there's a problem, I just kind of go quarterly. And I go and I talk and whatever comes up is whatever comes up. And then if nothing comes up, then, then you know, then, then nothing needs to be said Or we can help process some other things, process day-to-day, process activities and moves or whatever that's coming up. A counselor can help you process every single last one of those things. And I think that's good because we do need to get to a point where counseling is seen as a positive thing and it's not so taboo and people are not afraid to bring up the topic as counseling. I would love for us to get to a point where we're talking about counseling and mental health as easily as we are talking about food and asking people if they are hungry because that's how important mental health should be. So you all know that when these observances come up, I do like to do a little bit of research to see where it came from, what the thought behind it was. You know, just to see if we can get a little bit more background. Why was it in May? Who came up with it? And I try to find those things, but honestly, for for this bout of research that I did, and mind you, I didn't delve entirely too deep, but I didn't see anything in particular as far as why May was the month that was chosen or anything like that. But I can say that Mental Health Awareness Month has been around since 1949, and it was started by Mental Health America. Now that I didn't know, again, I've only really been taking mental health a little bit more seriously, probably within the last eight eight to 10 years. So (laughs) around the time that I turned 30. But as I look deeper into it, I really, really like what Mental Health America has kind of started last year their theme and they have a theme every year last year their theme was tools to thrive and again hey that's very good because you know we are in this pandemic and things have been vastly different this type of pandemic has not been seen since 1918 with the spanish flu so it is a completely different beast that we are dealing with. And if I'm not mistaken, for this year, they have continued along with that theme of tools to thrive because here we are still in the pandemic. And I think this is very crucial because just some of the stats that were provided by the National Council is that one in five adults experience mental illness each year. One in five adults. This weekend, I was hanging out with my family in Tampa and five of us traveled to get there. 
So that means out of the five of us, one of us was experiencing some kind of mental illness. That's 20%. If we have 20% of the people that we hang around having some type of mental illness, I mean, don't you think this is something that that we should that we should talk about? And there's such a it's getting better, but there's such a stigma just around mental illness that it's almost like it turns people off. I feel like sometimes when 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 people think of mental illness, they think of an extreme case of mental illness. Like maybe something I'm I'm terrible at movies y'all. I have this I have this movie in my mind, Misery. That's the movie that I'm thinking of. So you have that person who had a mental illness, you have Sybil who had like multiple personalities. And I think sometimes when people think of mental illness, that is the level that they go to. But mental illness could be something as simple as anxiety. Mental illness could be something like depression. It could be something that you just don't readily see, but yet it's still something that people are dealing with. And another interesting statistic is that one in six U.S. youth age, so six to 17, experience a mental disorder each year. One in six. Can you imagine how that's possibly changed due to this pandemic? I mean, I feel like that just really gives you a lot to think about. And because this pandemic has lasted so much longer than what we have anticipated there are so many other things that we have to make sure that we take into consideration because if you think about it being single in this era this time creates its own challenges especially if you are an extrovert and you receive your energy by hanging out with other people and technically at this point you have not been able to do that in over a year, which is a very long time. Even me as an introvert, where I get my energy kind of being by myself and just kind of refueling, I can't be by myself all the time. I do like to talk to people. I do like to hang out with others. I do like to go out to eat and do all those things. But if you're in this pandemic, you're trying to keep your space, you're trying to be responsible, you're trying to keep family safe. This can be very lonely. This can be very isolating. And when you're feeling lonely and when you're feeling isolated, that can then lead to anxiety, that can then lead to depression. So I feel during this time, we have to really, really, really be intentional about extending grace to other people, especially those that are single, that don't have anyone that they can talk to. Even um, even me, for instance, moving to a different city in a pandemic, no friends, no family, this can be a very hard adjustment 
for one to go through because any other time in any other place, I would have been a place where I knew someone, but because my job is different and because my location is totally different than what it normally is, my environment and my circumstances are completely different. So I'm, it's like, I'm literally out here by myself, (laughs) big city, great city. It seems like when, you know, when it's open, but because I moved here in the midst of a pandemic and I didn't really have the opportunity to get to know people like I normally would have under any other circumstances, it can be lonely and it can be isolating. So we all, me, I, we (laughs) have to be very intentional about making sure that we still create those connections and that we still talk with people, we still communicate with others in the best way that we can. FaceTime has become my friend during this time because at least then I can I can see people, I can talk with people, and I'm able to see them face-to-face to be able to have that connection. And I like what Mental Health America said. So when you go to their website, literally the first thing that they tell you is that May is Mental Health Month. But what I also love, so addition in the statistic that I just gave about one in five people living with a mental illness in a given year, they also said, but five in five people deserve mental health support. And I completely agree. We all deserve mental health support It should not be a luxury and it should be something that we are able to talk about. And sometimes it may be hard for people to be able to empathize because it's not something that they have experienced before. And quite frankly, sometimes you may not know what to say and you just may not know exactly what to do. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up regarding mental health awareness is self-care. You all know that I am a big proponent of self-care and I do believe that that is one of the ways in which we can really pay attention to our mental state. And I really really feel like self-care is something that we can do to to aid in our mental state as well, to give us a sense of well-being, to give us a sense of peace, to give us a a semblance of normalcy when we take our our self-care seriously. And one of the ways that I try to monitor my self-care is I have a routine every morning And every morning I get up, I pray, I exercise, and I talk to my cousin on Marco Polo. That's literally my routine Monday through Friday. Of course, I can be a little flex on Saturdays because, you know, you like to sleep in sometimes, get you a little bit of extra rest. Maybe you have to run some errands, but for the most part, that is my routine day in, day out. I feed myself spiritually and then I feed myself physically 
and emotionally. And I think that's so important. And I think that's something that we really, really, really have to focus on doing every single day. And one of the stats that I came across was that most people spend 15 minutes a day on self-care. And if 15 minutes is good for you, hey, by all means, 15 minutes, you take your 15 minutes. It's not enough for me. But if you're starting from nothing and you're not taking any time to do self-care whatsoever, then absolutely do the 15 minutes. Whatever it is that it takes, whether you have to meditate, whether you want to read, whatever it is that you have to do, take that time just to spend time with yourself so you're not always feeling like you're just running, running, and running all over the place. I often think of the phrase, and I don't know where I got it from. I know that I didn't come up with it myself, but you tell your day what to do. You don't let your day run you. And to me, when you take time early in the morning before you get up, before you start running around and doing the hustle and bustle of the day, if you take that time for yourself in the morning and you tell yourself, this is what we're going to do for the day, you now have taken ownership of your day and you're not letting your day run you and, and run you crazy and just kind of take you all over the place from one thing to the next. And that's why I truly believe that self-care is important. I think that if I didn't take the time to do what I do in the mornings, I'm not quite sure how I would have been able to handle some of the circumstances that I have come across. And I'm not exactly sure where my mental state would be at this moment if I had not taken that time. Because when I get up in the morning, when I pray, when I read the Bible, again, that's that's tapping into my spiritual side. And for some people that may not be important, but for me, that's extremely important. And I do believe that everyone has a spiritual side. Now, what you believe is what you believe, but everyone taps into something something higher than themselves. It's not just you, but something higher than yourself. And when you take care of your body, your body in turn takes care of you. And your body, hey, if your body is broken down, (laughs) there is nothing that you will be able to do. And I'm not one of those people that get You know, everyone talks about this runner's high that they get after they go running and they're just so energized afterwards and they can just go on and on and on and on. I'm not one of those people. I am not. I call it a runner's low. I just don't feel (laughs) that energized when I come from running. I am exhausted. I am tired. I am sweaty. However, I go for a walk and I do feel energized. I do feel better. I do feel more clear because sometimes I feel like I get my best thoughts and my best ideas when I'm just out walking, when I'm in an environment, when I'm breathing in the fresh air. That does me some good to do that every day. And not only does that do me some good physically, 
that also does me some good mentally. And there's science to prove that when you do work out, that your body releases those endorphins that boost your mood and and help you to feel better. And I think during this t- <laughs> during this time of the pandemic, we can listen. We got to take all that we can get in whatever way that we can get it to feel better about whatever it is, whatever it is that we want to do. Because, and two, it's like no matter where you turn to, even in the news, sometimes the news can be just depressing listening to the different things that are going on in the world and in the different countries that just have all of this turmoil going on. And if you continue to take that in day by day by day, that can really start to weigh on you and that can really start to weigh on you physically it can start to weigh on you mentally so we definitely have to be extremely careful intentional and mindful about how we go about our day-to-day but I do love the fact that I have seen more people talking about mental health I've seen more people being open about mental health I've seen and heard more people casually talking about maybe some kind of coaching coaching session that they've had. They've talked about some kind of good tidbits that they received while they were in a session. And just know you can either have a coach or you can have a a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a licensed care social worker who specializes in counseling. You can have all of these people and they're all needed at some different phase in your life. And sometimes both of them are needed congruently. When I was in this business coaching program, my coach would often say, hey, some of you are going to also need counseling as you go through this process, as you change some of your mindsets, as you change some of your thoughts and as you change some of your habits, counseling may be in order for you. But I like that she brought that up and didn't make a big deal out of it. And I also like that because that kind of brings me into my next point, which is it is okay to say that you need help. Even as I was kind of analyzing Myself, I notice that I struggle with saying that I need help and I struggle with it because I am used to being the person that someone will turn to. I am used to having to essentially be the strong person. Y'all know how I feel about that. (laughs) And you'll hear another episode about that coming very soon. But because of the ideas and beliefs that I have, had about who and what a strong woman is and what she looks like, I was not in the habit of asking for help or saying, hey, I'm really struggling right now. I need help. And I think sometimes when you when you carry yourself in such a way that people do depend on you, that people do consider you to be the strong one that people do consider you to be the one that has it all together. Sometimes they really have no idea 
how to respond to you when they could even see that you need help. Because this is not a situation that they have seen you in. This is not something that they're used to. And this would be totally different for them to hear you ask for help. So again, you have to give people grace during this time as they're getting to know another side of you, maybe another side that you have never let other people see. Even I am moving different in this season and I'm starting to say, yeah, uh, I might be a mess tomorrow. So, you know, just go ahead and, you know, call me, check on me or, you know, whatever the case is. But even still, just from observation, I find that typically the response is, oh, but you're so strong. I know you got this. And thank you. Thank you for your belief in me and knowing that I have it. But I would also like your support in this matter and not you just saying, well, I know that you got it and I know that you'll be good. Which then takes me to my next point in that it's okay not to be okay. I know a lot a lot of times we can go throughout our day and people can ask us how we're doing and automatically our response is, I'm doing well, I'm doing fine, I'm doing good, how about you? And it's very surface, but what would happen if we were actually honest with people about how we're feeling and we say, oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Or if we said, actually, I'm not feeling that great today. Actually, I'm not feeling my best today. Actually, I feel quite sad today. Actually, I feel quite annoyed today. Well, since you asked, I really feel quite angry today. What would happen if we started to have those types of conversations with people? Either one of two things will happen. Either people would stop asking <laughs> how you're doing because they don't want to stop and actually have the conversation. Or maybe somebody will actually stop and ask you, well, is there something that I can do or what's going on? And you never know if you give people the opportunity to help you, if you let them in where you can show them where you need help, you never know what advice they may have for you. You never know what testimony they may have for you. They may have even been through your same exact circumstance and can tell you how they went from point A to B, but you would have never known that if you weren't honest about your feelings at that moment to say, I'm not okay. And that's one of the main points that I really want you to take away from this today is that it is okay not to be okay. We are all human. We all go through life. We all have our good days. We all have our bad days. But there is nothing wrong with saying, I'm not okay. There is nothing wrong with saying, I need your help. I need help. There is nothing wrong with either one of those phrases. And I challenge us to do three things this week. Three things. Number one, to be honest about how you're feeling. If you're not okay, say you're not okay. Number two, if you need help, then give people the opportunity to help you. Don't keep saying that you have it. Don't keep saying, yeah, yeah, no problem. I got it. No, I don't need your help. 
again, the circumstance that I, that I like to use and, 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 and it's mainly because I'm about to do it myself is you're moving. So if I'm moving, I tell all these people that I'm moving and five people volunteer to help me to move from one place to the next. I could say, yeah, I got it. No problem. No, you don't have to help me. You don't have to help me. I don't need your help. Or I could let these people show up for me the way that they are trying to show up for me. If I have five people saying, hey, I remember you said that you were moving. Do you need help? Absolutely sure. I could use your help. Yes, you can help me move a few boxes. Yes, you can help me move this from one room to the next. Yes, you can help me load this up on the truck. Yes, you can help me unload this from the truck. Like we need to be in the habit of giving people our yes a little bit more often when it comes to receiving help and not just writing people off and determining for them that they have the time or don't have the time. Let's let people do that. Let's start just worrying about our own selves and not trying to make decisions for other people as well, especially when they have already volunteered their time. And the last thing that I want us to do is try to have a conversation this week just about mental health, about how you're feeling or about counseling or just, again, asking people, are you okay? How are you feeling today? I know a few months ago that a family member of yours passed. How are you feeling? I know that this pandemic has been quite challenging for people. How are you holding up? I know that you're single and you're in a new city by yourself. How are you doing? I know that you're homeschooling your children and I know that this pandemic has been quite different for most people and I know that maybe you're working from home and you're trying to take care of your children and you're trying to cook dinner and you're trying to keep your children busy and you're still trying to and 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 let's just ask people if they're okay during this time and if they're not remember it's okay not to be okay we don't have to jump to try to fix anything we don't have to do any of that that is not the requirement we just ask, are you doing okay? And then you you can say, and then from there, you can ask, is there something I can help you with? Or would you like someone to talk to? It doesn't have to be you. Would you like to talk with someone about it? Have you considered talking with someone about it? So let's just see if we can do that this week. May is Mental Health Month. So let's emphasize, let's take away the stigma of what mental health or mental illness is and let's just concentrate more on the person. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to say that you need help. It's okay to be honest about what you're feeling. And that is what I have for you today. So if you got anything from this episode today, Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to leave me a rating, leave me a comment, come and say hi to me on Instagram. Come on over to the Facebook group so that we can continue to have the discussion. And the Facebook group is the Letter to My Sister podcast. And on Instagram, you can find me at Takara Day, or you can also find me at A Letter to My Sister podcast. 
Again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye.